0: In today's reading, we'll be looking at Zechariah chapters 8 through 14. In chapter 8, we have a discussion of fasting that began back in Zechariah chapter 7. Here in chapter 8, we get the answer about continued observance of these self-imposed days of fasting that they were practicing. Chapter 8, verse 1. Again the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I was jealous for her with great fury. Thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion, and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts the holy mountain. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, there shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with his staff in his hand for very age." And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, should it also be marvelous in mine eyes, saith the Lord of hosts? Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth, and in righteousness. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Let your hands be strong, ye that hear in these days these words by the mouth of the prophets, which were in the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. For before these days there was no hire for man, nor any hire for beast, neither was there any peace to him that went out or came in because of the affliction. For I set all men, every one, against his neighbor. But now I will not be into the residue of this people as in the former days, saith the Lord of hosts. For the seed shall be prosperous, the vine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase, and the heavens shall give their due. And I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. And it shall come to pass that as ye were a curse among the heathen, O house of Judah and house of Israel, So will I save you, and ye shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, As I thought to punish you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, saith the Lord of hosts, and I repented not, so again have I thought in these days to do well unto Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Fear ye not. These are the things that ye shall do. Speak ye every man the truth to his neighbor, execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. And let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against his neighbor, and love no false oath. For all these are things that I hate, saith the Lord. And the word of the Lord of hosts came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth month, and the fast of the fifth, and the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth, shall be to the house of Judah joy and gladness and cheerful feast, Therefore, love the truth and peace. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, It shall yet come to pass that there shall come people and the inhabitants of many cities, and the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go speedily to pray before the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will go also. Yea, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass, that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. As I said, this discussion of fasting began back in Zechariah chapter 7, and here in chapter 8 we get the answer about continued observance of these self-imposed days of fasting. Verse 19 tells us that there were four of these fasts observed by these who had been once exiled, and here they are. The fast of the fourth month was for the breach of Jerusalem's walls. That's found in Jeremiah chapter 39, verse 2. The fifth month fast was for the temple destruction. That's seen in Second Kings chapter 25, verse 8. The seventh month fast was for the slaying of Gedaliah. That's seen in Second Kings 25, verse 25. The tenth month fast marked the beginning of Nebuchadnezzar's siege on Jerusalem as seen in Second Kings chapter 25 verses 1 and 2. So what we see in this chapter is an establishment of celebration for the returning exiles in 535 B.C. Those fasts are turned into feasts instead in this chapter. Notice the prophecy in verses 7 and 8 concerning the regathering of Israel. Verse 7 says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. So here's the question. Do these verses reference the regathering of these exiles which began in 535 B.C. or another regathering later on? Now some would suggest that there's a hint in the phrase of verse 7 that says from the east country and from the west country. That phrase could simply indicate how comprehensive the regathering is rather than actual direction. I'm inclined to support the notion that these verses reference the regathering which happened beginning in 535 B.C. as opposed to a future regathering. Now notice verses 11 and 12 regarding the establishment of a time frame here. Verse 11 says, But now I will not be into the residue of this people as in the former days, saith the Lord of hosts, for the seed shall be prosperous, the vine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase, and the heavens shall give their due. And I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things." Well, now that certainly sounds immediate, doesn't it? However, the prophecy definitely goes future in verse 20 with the phrase, It shall yet come to pass. Obviously, the provisions of verses 20 to 23 are reserved for the yet future millennium. They project future blessing, which all the world will worship, the God of the Jews, that can only point to the messianic kingdom that we now know will be the 1,000-year reign known to us as the millennium. If you want more details on that, see my notes on Revelation chapter 20. In chapter 9, we find some judgment on neighboring nations. Verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord in the land of Hadroch and Damascus shall be the rest thereof, when the eyes of man, as of all the tribes of Israel, shall be toward the Lord. And Hamath also shall border thereby Tyrus and Zidon, though it be very wise. And Tyrus build herself a stronghold, and heaped up silver as the dust, and fine gold as the mire of the streets. Behold, the Lord will cast her out, and he will smite her power in the sea, and she shall be devoured with fire. Ashkelon shall see it and fear. Gaza also shall see it, and be very sorrowful. Ekron, for her expectation, shall be ashamed. And the king shall perish from Gaza, and Ashkelon shall not be inhabited. And a bastard shall dwell in Ashdod, and I will cut off the pride of the Philistines. And I will take away his blood out of his mouth, and his abomination from between his teeth. But he that remaineth, even he shall be for our God. And he shall be as a governor in Judah, and Ekron as a Jebusite. And I will encamp about mine house because of the army, because of him that passeth by, and because of him that returneth. And no oppressor shall pass through them any more. For now have I seen with mine eyes. Haven't we heard enough about ransacking of cities? Well, no, not yet. Here's a prophecy concerning some of Jerusalem's neighbors. It is prophesied that hard combat times are still ahead for them. And those hard times would be at the hand of the armies of Alexander the Great. But here's the good news. God's prophet here does not prophesy another bout for Jerusalem. And sure enough, the armies of Alexander the Great passed by Jerusalem several times, leaving Jerusalem untouched. And the other nations mentioned here, what about them? Ransacked. Tyre itself fell to Alexander the Great in 332 B.C. Currently, there is some discussion of a Damascus prophecy derived from these verses right here. It's said that Damascus in Syria must experience a complete destruction prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, while we do see a reference to Damascus here, Tyre and Zidon, or Sidon are the big prizes in this prophecy. Popular port towns through which many goods were passed are these two cities. Damascus 50 miles inland seems to be mentioned as part of the prize in fact Alexander the Great went through this region and captured these cities regarding Damascus there's also the inclusion of Isaiah chapter 17 verse 1 into this discussion Isaiah had prophesied that Damascus would be ruined an event which took place in 732 BC at the hands of the Assyrians Beginning with verse 9, we have the prophecy of a coming future king. Verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt the foal of an ass. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen. And his dominion shall be from sea even to sea, and from river even to the ends of the earth. And for thee also, by the blood of thy covenant, I have sent forth the prisoners out of the pit, wherein is no water. Turn ye to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope, even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. When I have bent Judah for me, filled the bowl with Ephraim, And raised up thy sons, O Zion, against thy sons, O Greece, and made thee as the sword of a mighty man. And the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as the lightning, and the Lord God shall blow the trumpet, and shall go with whirlwinds of the south. The Lord of hosts shall defend them, and they shall devour and subdue with sling stones. They shall drink and make a noise as through wine." And they shall be filled like bowls, and as the corners of the altar. And the Lord their God shall save them in that day, as the flock of his people. For they shall be as the stones of a crown, lifted up as an ensign upon his land. For how great is his goodness, and how great is his beauty! Corn shall make the young men cheerful, and new wine the maids. Well, this is pretty exciting stuff here. In Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 5, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, which was the luxury vehicle of kings. Look at verse 9 here. It was prophesied by Zechariah. The Jews rejected Jesus as their Messiah during the course of the week following that entry into Jerusalem. But one day they will accept. The millennium will have arrived, and Jesus will rule. Let's identify the players in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 13. When it says Judah, it's talking about Judah, the southern kingdom. Ephraim is Israel, the northern kingdom, frequently referred to as Ephraim by the prophets. Zion is Jerusalem, and Greece is the Greece or the Seleucids. The struggles mentioned here, actually naming Greece in verse 13, came to fruition on the 25th of Kislev, in 165 B.C. At this time, the Jews successfully defended Jerusalem from the continuing Greek assaults that had begun under Antiochus Epiphanes IV. Those began in 168 B.C. He had installed a Greek idol on the altar of the temple in 167 B.C. After defeating these Greeks, the Jews then rededicated the temple and initiated a new feast day that we today know as Hanukkah. This festival day on the Jewish calendar falls very near our Christmas each year. While many Bible teachers feel that verses 14 through 17 belong to a yet future period of time leading up to the millennium, it seems like a stronger argument that these verses could rather be a follow-up verse uh, or verses to the defense of Jerusalem against the Greeks indicated in verse 13. In chapter 10, we see that good times are ahead for Judah and for Israel. Verse 1. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to one grass in the field. For the idols have spoken vanity and the diviners have seen a lie and have told the false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore they went their way as a flock. They were troubled because there was no shepherd. Mine anger was kindled against the shepherds, and I punished the goats. For the Lord of hosts hath visited his flock, the house of Judah, and hath made them as his goodly horse in the battle. Out of him came forth the corner, out of him the nail, out of him the battle bow, out of him every oppressor together. And they shall be as mighty men which tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle. And they shall fight because the Lord is with them. And the riders on horses shall be confounded. And I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph. And I will bring them again to place them. For I have mercy upon them, and they shall be as though I had not cast them off. For I am the Lord their God, and will hear them. And they of Ephraim shall be like a mighty man, and their hearts shall rejoice as through wine. Yea, their children shall see it, and be glad. Their heart shall rejoice in the Lord." I will hiss for them and gather them For I have redeemed them and they shall increase as they have increased And I will sow them among the people They shall remember me in far countries They shall live with their children and turn again I will bring them again also out of the land of Egypt and gather them out of Assyria And I will bring them into the land of Gilead And Lebanon and place shall not be found for them And he shall pass through the sea with affliction, and shall smite the waves in the sea, and all the deeps of the river shall dry up, and the pride of Assyria shall be brought down, and the scepter of Egypt shall depart away. And I will strengthen them in the Lord, and they shall walk up and down in his name, saith the Lord. Well, this chapter gets a little bit confusing. The false shepherds here may have a prophetical reference to the Maccabean period when the Jews in Jerusalem would struggle against Antiochus Epiphanes IV in the middle of the 2nd century. However, probably these verses referred to the Pharisees and Sadducees of Jesus' day. Maybe this is the source of the imagery we see in John chapter 10. Look at the notes on that. It is true that as the result of false shepherds, Israel rejected Jesus as the Messiah. The references to Joseph and Judah make the distinction between what had been the northern and southern kingdoms. The references to Assyria and Egypt describe the territory to the north and south of Israel, where their historical struggles had been fought. The outcome of this chapter is victory once and for all over their enemies at the time of the millennium. This causes me to lean more towards a meaning that prophesies the struggle of the Pharisees and Sadducees against Christ, especially in light of how that position fits nicely with chapters 11 and 12, as we're going to be seeing, well, right now. Chapter 11, a reference to the Messiah's first rejection. Verse 1, Open thy doors, O Lebanon, that the fire may devour thy cedars. Howl, fir trees, for the cedar is fallen Because the mighty are spoiled Howl, O ye oaks of Bashan For the forest of the vintage is come down There is a voice of the howling of the shepherds For their glory is spoiled A voice of the roaring of young lions For the pride of Jordan is spoiled Thus saith the Lord my God Feed the flock of the slaughter Whose possessors slay them And hold themselves not guilty And they that sell them say, Blessed be the Lord, for I am rich, and their own shepherds pity them not. For I will no more pity the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. But lo, I will deliver the men every one into his neighbor's hand, and into the hand of his king, and they shall smite the land, and out of their hand I will not deliver them. And I will feed the flock of slaughter, even you, O poor of the flock. And I took unto me two slaves... THE ONE I CALLED BEAUTY, AND THE OTHER I CALLED BANDS, AND I FED THE FLOCK. THREE SHEPHERDS ALSO I CUT OFF IN ONE MONTH, AND MY SOUL LOATHED THEM, AND THEIR SOUL ALSO abhorred ME. THEN SAID I, I WILL NOT FEED YOU. THAT THAT DIETH, LET IT DIE, AND THAT THAT IS TO BE CUT OFF, LET IT BE CUT OFF, AND LET THE REST EAT EVERY ONE OF THE FLESH OF ANOTHER. AND I TOOK MY STAFF EVEN BEAUTY and cut it asunder, that I might break my covenant which I had made with all the people. And it was broken in that day, and so the poor of the flock that waited upon me knew that it was the word of the Lord. And I said unto them, If ye think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price thirty pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, Cast it unto the potter, a goodly price, that I was prized as of them. And I took the thirty pieces of silver, and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. Then I cut asunder mine other staff, even bands, that I might break the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. And the Lord said unto me, Take unto thee yet the instruments of a foolish shepherd. For lo, I will raise up a shepherd in the land, which shall not visit those that be cut off. Neither shall seek the young one, nor heal that that is broken nor feed that that standeth still. But he shall eat the flesh of the fat, and tear their claws in pieces. Woe to the idle shepherd that leaveth the flock! The sword shall be upon his arm, and upon his right eye. His arm shall be clean, dried up, and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. Well, this prophecy is a little difficult to place with certainty. But taken with chapters 12 and 13, which we're going to be looking at in a few moments, we seem to get a little bit clearer picture. After careful study of this passage and external reference materials, I'm relatively confident that Zechariah is referring to the ministry of Christ in the midst of the hypocritical and false leadership of his day. They rejected the Messiah, and the temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 A.D., Verse 13 seems uh, too much like Judas and his 30 pieces of silver not to be so. And Matthew does report that it was a fulfilling of prophecy. This is the only recorded passage from the prophets referencing 30 pieces of silver. And we see that in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 26 verses 14 through 16. And again in Matthew chapter 27 verses 3 through 10. All talking about Judas and his 30 pieces of silver. So it would appear that this prophecy is a picture of the times when Christ would walk the earth during his ministry here, and the subsequent rejection of his Messiahship by false leadership of Israel at the time of his ministry. That understanding of this chapter seems to fit nicely with chapter 12, and continues an idea that began to emerge in chapter 10. We see Israel's future here in chapter 12. Let's begin reading here with verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens, and layeth the foundation of of the earth, and formeth the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about, when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people, All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth shall be gathered together against it. In that day, saith the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment, and his rider with madness. And I will open mine eyes upon the house of Judah, and will smite every horse of the people with blindness. And the governors of Judah shall say in their heart, The inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be my strength in the Lord of hosts, their God." In that day will I make the governors of Judah like an hearth of fire among the wood, and like a torch of fire in a sheath. And they shall devour all the people round about, on the right hand and on the left. And Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place, even in Jerusalem. The Lord also shall save the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do not magnify themselves against Judah." In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications." And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem as the mourning of hadad Ramon in the valley of Megiddon. And the land shall mourn every family apart, the family of the house of David apart and their wives apart. The family of the house of Nathan apart, and their wives apart. The family of the house of Levi apart, and their wives apart. The family of Shimei apart, and their wives apart. All the families that remain, every family apart, and their wives apart. Since this chapter is an obvious reference to the gathering of the armies of the nations against Israel at the battle of Armageddon, it is likewise obvious that chapters 10 and 11 must be setting up the scenario, including the rejection of Christ during his earthly ministry. Chapter 12 directs us to Christ's return in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 21. That's when Israel once and for all be delivered. Notice verse 8 here. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. And if you're looking for a location where this all takes place, you'll find it there in verse 11. It's the Valley of Megiddon, or sometimes referred to as Megiddo. That's right, the Battle of Armageddon. Let's notice verse 10. It says, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Now John quotes this verse regarding the piercing of Jesus' side, in John chapter 19, verse 37. So these all then seem to be prophecies that are fulfilled during the ministry of Jesus and during the tribulation time leading up to the battle of Armageddon. In chapter 13, we find a reference to false prophets and idolatry during the period of the tribulation time. Verse 1. In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land, and they shall no more be remembered. And also I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. And it shall come to pass that when any shall yet prophesy, Then his father and his mother that beget him shall say unto him, Thou shalt not live, for thou speakest lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and his mother that beget him shall thrust him through when he prophesieth. And it shall come to pass in that day that the prophet shall be ashamed every one of his vision. When he hath prophesied, neither shall they wear a rough garment to deceive. But he shall say, I am no prophet, I am an husbandman. For man taught me to keep cattle from my youth. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thy hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Now we know from Matthew 24 verse 11, Where it says, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Now with regard to false prophets during the tribulation time, Here's what we know from Matthew 24:11. It says, Jesus speaking, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Now these are the tribulation prophets during the first half of the seven-year period, and these verses in Zechariah chapter 13 verses 1 through 6 seem to address these characters, these false prophets. Then we find more about the shepherd beginning here in verse 7, 7, verses 7 through 9. Verse 7, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. And I will turn mine hand upon the little ones, and it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried and they shall call my name, and I will hear them, and I will say, It is my people, and they shall say, The Lord is my God. In chapter 10, we saw references to shepherds which seemed to match up nicely with Christ's words in John chapter 10. Now here we find the reference to the sword against my shepherd. It seems to be a description of the rejection of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, prior to the cross. The one-third remnant looks to those Jews who will be saved during the tribulation. The turmoil of the tribulation in the millennium that follows is seen in Zechariah chapter 14. Verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, And the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of the battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a great valley... And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And ye shall flee in the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, ye shall flee, like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. And it shall come to pass in that day, that the light shall not be clear, nor dark. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day there shall be one Lord and his name one. All the land shall be turned as a plain from Geba to RIMON, south of Jerusalem, and it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place, from Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate, unto the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananael unto the king's winepresses. All the men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. And their eyes shall consume away in their holes. And their tongues shall consume away in their mouth. And it shall come to pass in that day that a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them. And they shall lay hold every one on the hand of his neighbor. And his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. And Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem. And the wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together, gold and silver and apparel in great abundance. And so shall be the plague of the horse, of the mule, of the camel, and of the ass, and of all the beasts that shall be in these tents as this plague. And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, The Lord of hosts and to keep the feast of tabernacles and it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth into Jerusalem to worship the king the Lord of hosts even upon them shall be no rain and if the family of Egypt go not up and come not that have no rain there shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. In that day shall there be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord. And the pots of the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. And all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them and see therein and in that day there shall be no more the Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. So, in this chapter, we see the Lord's second coming, his fighting at the Battle of Armageddon in Revelation 19, verses 11 through 21, and his reigning during the millennium to follow. There is an abundance of detailed specifications found in this prophecy regarding this particular time period. The hinder Sea of verse 8 is a reference to the Dead Sea. We see that also in Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 through 12. It also there describes a river that flows from the temple into the Dead Sea. Well, you just can't get around verse 9. Here's what it says, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day there shall be one Lord and his name one. It's definitely Messianic or Millennial Kingdom in this context and verse 11 adds this Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited well not only so but it also says the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem that's in verse 12 and where is the center of activity during the millennium well Jerusalem of course we see that in verses 16 and 17 where it says and it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth into Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. So here's the bottom line. No worship, no rain. It's just that simple. One more geographical note is in order here. You'll notice in verse 4 that the site of the second coming is actually given. It says, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. When Jesus ascended to heaven in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, it was from the Mount of Olives. At that time, the disciples were told that the Mount of Olives was to be his arrival point at the second coming. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Waltham.